right. Good morning, Three Crosses. How's it going? Good to see you. Uh, if we haven't met yet, my name is AJ Venegas. Um, I'm working with our community groups uh, here at the church. And if you're brand new with us, welcome. If you've missed the last couple of weeks, we just got done with an amazing series called Your Brain is Trying to Kill You. It's very interesting to hear how our brains are trying to kill us. And um, the, the whole series was centered around Romans 12, 2, that talked about be, do not be conformed by the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we sort of looked at some Old Testament characters and uh, how their thoughts kind of influence their actions and how they spiral out of control. And so if you haven't checked it out, go ahead and check it out online. It's a great series. Interestingly enough, that, that verse right before Romans 12.2, it's a verse in Romans 12.1 that talks about how we ought to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And so with that, with that Paul is kind of just conjoining the two, saying you can't have a conversation about the soul without talking about the body and the mind. And so since we've talked about the mind already, we're going to introduce our new series titled Hungry. And it's going to be a great series about talking about our bodies, our fleshly bodies. What are we craving? What are we hungry for? You know, our, our, our stomachs are always asking for more. But our spirit is so, we're looking for more. Right? What, are, what is it that we're hungry for? What are we pursuing? And is that satisfaction? Is it, are you experiencing satisfaction with what you're chasing? And over the course of the series, we're going to be reorienting our desires to follow Jesus, to go after Jesus. And it's going to be a very interesting series. Um, it's going to be a unique series because um, before every time, before every message, Pastor Danny asked a couple of us to come and share and uh, expose what we're hungry for. And so um, throughout the series, there's going to be somebody introducing um, the next sort of portion, and for about 10 minutes, we're going to share what we're struggling with, what we want to address in this series. And so lo and behold, here I am. Uh, I get to share with you week one uh, what I'm hungry for, and so it's going to be a great time. Um, so what am I hungry for? Um, the question, when, when it was first asked to me, I think that the thought that, I, that kind of stuck with me was something I learned in college uh, through a psychology class, and it, it's called the pleasure principle. And the pleasure principle says, humans tend to seek pleasure and avoid pain at all costs. And so I kind of ran with this idea and I kind of said, okay, Lord, how does that apply to my life? And I started thinking, you know, it'd be really cool to come up here and talk about, you know, about every five hours or so, I'm, I'm pretty hungry throughout the day. You know, I'm a big guy, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking to eat probably every, probably less, probably like three hours every day. <laughs> but... Um, I think the Lord kind of took that and said, no, 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 dial it back. What about minute by minute? Do you recognize what you're hungry for minute by minute? And I think when I started to, to think about that, I sort of realized, man, I, I didn't realize how hungry my soul was for everything but God. Because it's so easy for me to say in the moment, I'm going to seek the best for myself. I'm going to seek the pleasure for myself. I'm going to seek what the easiest way out. And then I'm going to step back from conflict, from pain, from all those things. I'm going to seek pleasure. I'm going to avoid pain. 
And so that kind of manifests itself in a couple different areas that I'd like to just share with you guys. This is the stuff that I want to address in this series as we sort of learn, you know, what our spirit is hungry for and how to replace that with Jesus. And so the first one that I, I kind of boiled it down to is what am I listening to? You know, in that moment by moment basis, I have a choice, you know, to listen to this music that's, that's giving us terrible messages, to be honest. It's crazy messages. Um, you know, not even music, but, but, you know, talk shows. You know, I've been kind of a, a news junkie lately, but there's just like animosity that builds in your heart when, you, when you're talking about these different sides. And so the question that I, I wrestle with is, am I going to listen to that? Am I hungry for that? Or am I going to tune my ear to the Lord so that when I hear his call, I'm going to be available? And so that's a day-by-day choice that I'm wrestling with. Second one, and one that I think I'm growing really passionate about, is what am I seeing with my eyes? What am I seeing with my eyes? This is a big one. You know, whether, whether it's Netflix shows that normalize, you know, suicide, that normalize violence, or, you know, especially for young men, you know, it's, it's at the click of a button on your cell phone. It's, it's sexual, it's a hyper-sexualized culture. And so are, are we going to seek after that or are we going to fix our eyes on the Lord? Are we going to fix our eyes on the Lord so he's the one entering our hearts and influencing our hearts? And so that's a day-by-day battle. A third one, it's not necessarily a sense, but I just want to learn how to address it in my life for this Hungry series. It's what am I doing with my energy? Also known as what am I doing with my time? Am I overworking? Am I not working enough? Am I being lazy? Am I being a sluggard? Or am I trusting that the Lord has my schedule under control? Am I, am I honoring the Sabbath rest? And then the last one I kind of boiled it down to, and to be honest, I think it's the reason why I'm up here first. Um, what am I eating? <laughs> what am I eating? You know, uh, over my you know, short year here working on staff, I've already developed this relationship, uh, this reputation, sorry, um, of a big appetite. <laughs> Um, you know, athletes kind of have a big appetite and, you know, you have to replace your calories, but unfortunately when you stop playing, that appetite doesn't slow down with it. So, um, you know, in all, in all seriousness, no, you know, am I going to offer my body as a living sacrifice with what I put into my body or am I just going to live for the pleasurable taste, you know, buffalo wings, chocolate, you know, you name it, you fill it in. Right? And so I guess the point is the day-to-day senses that you're in a battle, you're in a choice. And I think as I've wrestled with this question, I've come to realize that God has created us in a unique way to seek pleasure and to avoid pain. But the difference is we were cut off from that, from the Garden of Eden. And we were left searching for all these things. But you flip to the beginning of the book and it says, we're in perfect communion with God and we're going we're to seek him, seek the pleasure of his presence. On the flip side, at the very end of the book, there's going to be a kingdom where he will wipe away all tears. There will be no more pain. And so that's kind of what I'm wrestling with. I'd invite you just to wrestle with what you're hungry for uh, throughout this series as we sort of hear the message. As we pray for offering, uh, I just kind of want to invite the Lord into the conversation And I just invite you guys to just be honest with yourselves. Be vulnerable. 
and um, see what the Lord can do throughout this uh, series. So let's pray, and then we'll take our offering, and then we'll enter back into worship. Our whole series is going to be bouncing out of this passage in Matthew chapter 4. So I'm going to read you these four verses. You're welcome to turn there if you'd like. This is Jesus in the wilderness. After his baptism, the Spirit sent him out there to be tempted by the devil for 40 days without food. This is Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Let's pray as we dive into the series together. Father, this concept, man does not live on bread alone. We know it in our heads. Lord, we pray that you would help it to trickle down into our hearts and into our lives. So often we, we live as if these temporary things um, is really all there is in the universe, that, that our next meal or the candy bar or the ice cream or the success or the fame or the family or the intimacy or the friendship or whatever it is we hunger after, Lord, we admit that so often we lose sight of you and we live as if all of these things are all that matters. We pray that you would awaken our souls this morning in a new way. That you can help us to see what, what you mean, that, that we're not, man does not live on bread alone, that there's more that is necessary for flourishing in life than simply the things that you've created for us to enjoy. Help us to find delight and sustenance in you this morning. Help us to embark on a journey with you where you help us to satisfy the deep hunger and longing in our soul with yourself. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For some reason, all week as I was preparing to talk about hungry, all I could think about were Snickers bars. And, and I, it's not because I have this proclivity for Snickers bars. I think it's because Snickers sometimes just has the word hungry on the bar in gigantic letters. Have you seen that? Did you know that Snickers has had the same advertising campaign since 1975 or so? Before, before this advertising campaign, their actual campaign was a fistful of peanuts in every bar. I thought, that is gross. That is the worst campaign. Since 1975, Snickers changed it, and now there are two components to every Snickers ad campaign. Number one, you don't have to write this down, but number one, you are hungry. You're hungry. Remember back in the 70s and 80s, there'd be like an iron worker on top of these like steel structures, and he's sweating, and the sun's going down, like, choo, choo, and then the electric guitar comes in. There's a hunger inside you. Remember those commercials? It's like the discus thrower preparing for the Olympics. The long jump guy's like, oh. It's like, wow, after a day of training, I need a chocolate bar, right? I'm hungry. And by hungry, they don't just mean you're physically hungry. They're trying to tap into something deeper. You are hungry. Something in your soul is longing for something significant. You're hungry. And number two, Snickers will satisfy your hunger. I mean, they actually lean into it. They put some teeth in it. They say, what does it say? Only Snickers will truly satisfy, or like Snickers truly satisfies. They like underline the words truly to make you think, listen, I know that some candy bars will satisfy your physical hunger. <laughs> Let me tell you, Snickers, 
Snickers is the only thing, and the, they don't believe this, but Snickers is the only thing in the whole world that will truly satisfy the deepest desires of your soul. Right? Truth be told, sometimes the deepest desire of my soul is a Snickers bar. They're delicious. And yet Snickers, as you watch kind of their, their last iteration of their ad campaign, back in like 2010, they had that uh, Betty White commercial where she started playing football and everyone went crazy. So they started switching their campaign about hunger and satisfaction to say, you know what, what Snickers can do is not just satisfy your hunger, it can change you, right? Have you seen this? These are all the different Snickers bars now. Grab a Snickers when you're sleepy. Grab a Snickers when you're irritable. Grab a Snickers when you're a drama mama. Never said that before. Grab a Snickers when you feel like a princess. Grab a Snickers when you're rebellious, when you're impatient, right? You're not yourself when you're hungry, Snickers says. If you want satisfaction, if you want transformation, grab a spacey bar. And your blood sugar will kind of restabilize. And all of a sudden, you'll be transformed from the inside out. I don't want to bash on Snickers. But at the same time, I feel like if I was in a medical profession, from nutritionist to psychiatrist, I would see this ad campaign and think, whoa, 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 whoa. If you're looking to make Snickers a part of your well-balanced breakfast, you might want to think again, right? It's just chocolate with peanuts inside. If you're trying to use Snickers as a medicating device to change your personality, that's not a good idea either, right? See our last series, your brain is trying to kill you. And yet what Snickers has realized that a lot of us have, have wrestled with ourselves and what AJ even brought out this morning is that we tend to reach for the wrong things when we need satisfaction. Because there are a lot of days that we're feeling irritable, we're feeling grouchy, we're feeling discouraged, we're feeling lonely, we're feeling alone, we're feeling angry, we're feeling tired, we're feeling like nobody cares about us, we're feeling like we're sick of our lives and we grab for a Snickers bar to satisfy us. Now, I love that the ladder is on the stage because I keep getting this image that there's all these different pathways that we choose to take when we're trying to kind of level up in our lives right? And so you have a hard day. You're like, all I need is some ice cream, right? And so it's like you climb up this little ladder, you sit on top of it, and you watch Netflix from it. You're like, I feel a little bit better. But then you got to climb down the ladder again, right? Some of the ladders are, are bigger, right? You, you have a boss who yells at you at work. Or you've got some drama in your friend group, and you're like, ugh. What you should do is probably go on a walk, spend some time with the Lord, pray about it, wrestle with, okay, is there anything true about what was said in me in this? But we don't do that. Instead, we start climbing a ladder. We jump on this medium ladder, and we call a friend and say, can you believe what happened to me today? We get some drama action going, right? Then we call the next friend, the next friend, the next friend. We're escalating this thing. And finally, we're at this top of the ladder and we're talking to our best friend about how bad our boss is and the drama is overwhelming, the discouragement we felt when we left work and we feel like we're at the top of the mountain. And then we hang up the phone. We have no friends left to call and we realize we're just sitting on top of this giant ladder. Like, ugh. Or you wake up in the morning and think, how did I fall asleep up here? Some of us have these hungers, these drives for success. Like, if I can just make this much money, then I'll be happy. Right? If I can just get to this place at work or have this car or whatever it is, right, then I'll be happy. And it's like we've chosen this gigantic ladder. We put our whole lives into this idea that if we just climb and climb and climb and climb, someday there's satisfaction up there somewhere. And the crazy thing is, if I talk to any individual in this room about this, you would admit and I would admit that that's silly and doesn't work but we do it anyway. We find ourselves living in this place where our stomachs are filled, but our souls are empty. And all of these ladders we climb, all of these Snickers bars we grab, all of these Baskin Robbins ice cream specials that we go after to make us feel better, 
we wake up the next morning and we just feel empty again. The question as we embark in the series is what can we reach for to bring satisfaction to our soul? How do we equip ourselves when we're hungry to reach for the right things and not for the wrong things? And to do that, I want to look at that example of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. Now, Jesus is a fairly difficult example to pattern your life after because he's a superstar, right? If you've ever thought, I'm going to live like Jesus, you can't, right? One of the reasons Jesus came to this earth is to live a life that none of us can live. But at the same time, one of the reasons that Jesus came to this earth is to show us how human lives were supposed to be spent, how to live in this place where we are filled with the Father's love in our souls, and we don't care about all this crazy stuff that we tend to care about instead. And so we see Jesus living his life in a way where he was the most balanced, well-nourished, spiritually human being who ever lived. And we see Jesus in John chapter 4, all of his companions go out to eat some lunch, and he's hungry too, but he's like, you know what? I've been sent to this place to meet with this woman at the well. He says to the disciples, I have food to eat you know nothing about. They're like, did you find like a Snickers bar under the well or something? What are you talking about? He says, my food is to do the work of him who sent me and to finish his work. My food is to serve this woman right now. That's where I get my nourishment. Or you see Jesus who would spend his life in constant conversation with the Father. It's like he was nourished by every word that came out of the Father's mouth and it sustained him in some way. We see Jesus going through crazy seasons where all of us would just want to go to Cabo and relax. But instead, he wakes up at three in the morning, goes up on a mountain, spends time with the Father, and then comes back down renewed, refreshed, and with new energy and vision for his life. And here in Matthew 4, we see Jesus who follows the Holy Spirit into the desert, no food, it's a desert, to be tempted by the devil. And when the devil comes at him, says he was hungry. That's an understatement. If you've ever fasted before, I don't know if you've ever fasted for 40 days before. I have not. I think you're supposed to die at that point, but Jesus is still alive. (laughs) Says he's hungry, and Satan comes to him and says, hey, you're hungry. You're God, right? Turn this stone into a loaf of bread and eat it. And Jesus says, man does not live on bread alone. There's nourishment that I'm receiving in this place that you know nothing about. I'm sustained and nourished, he says, by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. It's easy to take this idea, man does not live by bread alone, and think that Jesus is just saying some cliche, like you need, there's more to life than just bread. Right? There's more to life than food. There's more to life than work. There's more to life than X, Y, Z. But this is not Jesus, like in a little sermonette, saying, hey, here's, here's a little tip for you, then let's go have brunch afterwards. This is Jesus tempted by Satan himself after not eating for 40 days. He's starving to death, and the words coming out of his mouth are that man does not live by bread alone. There's something deeper here. Jesus has tapped into something that many of us, including myself, have not yet figured out how to tap into. It's how to find sustaining nourishment from the Father. If you do want to write stuff down today, you don't have to write down anything about Snickers, but you you can write this down. This is something that we see in the desert with Jesus. Jesus knew that God is the ultimate source of all nourishment. God is the ultimate source of all nourishment. And Jesus says in the desert, yeah, I'm starving, but there's something I need more than food. And Jesus says with the woman at the well, yeah, yeah, I'm hungry, but there's something I need more than food. Yeah, I have these hungers, 
Jesus was tempted just as we were. He's tempted, truly tempted in the desert to assume his lordship in the wrong way, to turn stones into bread, to test his authority. He's tempted, but Jesus knows that there's something more important than what his flesh, what his body, what his desires desire. Jesus knows that God is the ultimate source of all nourishment. And that's kind of the foundational principle of where we're going with this series. Because if we can learn how to tap into this nourishment source, then we will be sustained as well. Can you imagine how your life would be different if you truly believed that God could sustain you in all ways and you lived as if he could? If you lived like Jesus where you were hungry but you didn't need food because God had you in this moment for this reason? Where you were in a workplace that was really hard and you hated it, but you had this deep conviction that God had placed you in this place for this reason, so you press on and you find energy in God's work there. Where you feel like life is falling apart, but you're hearing God's voice and it's keeping you moving because he is nourishing you when everything else is not. When you don't want to come home and reach for the cupboard and get some food, but you really want to go home and reach for the word, or you want to go on a walk and wrestle with the Lord, or you want to spend some time alone, and you deeply desire that because you deeply know that God is the ultimate source of all nourishment. Jesus knew this, and so he lived like this, and God sustained him. I don't think our problem is that we don't know that God nourishes us. I think our problem is that we don't know how to tap into the nourishment. It's kind of like they say that if you're in a desert, you can get water from a cactus. I know that. I learned that in like third grade. But if I was in the desert, I'd probably die of dehydration because I have no idea how to get into a cactus. Right? You just like grab it and rip it, right? You kick it till it falls over. I don't know how to do it, right? Coconuts have milk inside. How do you open a coconut? They're really hard, right? We know where nourishment is found, and yet we don't know how to get into it. And so this series is designed to help us learn how to get into the place where we can receive the nourishment from God. Now, I admit that when I read passages like Matthew 4 or John 4 or see Jesus walk the earth, I feel like he's living in this way that I never could. It seems like human beings, real human beings like me, aren't designed to live that way. And I know Jesus is a real human being. Jesus is a model for us. Jesus is the way, not just the truth and the life. But it seems like Jesus had this superpower that none of us have. But the interesting thing is, is if you look at Matthew chapter 4, this idea that man does not live on bread alone, it actually comes from the Old Testament. He's quoting Deuteronomy chapter 8. Where, where, where God is talking about the way that God taught the Israelites how to hunger for God. This is where the quote comes from. It says, he humbled you. This is when the Israelites were wandering in the desert for 40 years. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Jesus brings out this truth from Deuteronomy 8 that God had planted in the scriptures as a moral of the story when he taught his people how to hunger for him. If you don't know the story, this is the Israelites wandering in the desert. Same kind of thing, but 40 years instead of 40 days. They're starving. They're in the desert. There's no food. They say, God, have you taken us out to the desert to die here? And God says, no. And he feeds them with this supernatural stuff called manna, which I think in Hebrew means, what is this, right? It's manna. And so they eat it and they would be sustained. And then they'd look around the next, like, oh no, we're gonna die. And then the manna would show up. They'd eat it to be sustained. 
And God says, the reason that I did that, right? I could have just brought you to a place that wasn't a desert, right? But the reason that I put you in the desert and then fed you with manna was to teach you a valuable lesson, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but from every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. But the hard thing is they didn't live on every word that came from the mouth of the Lord. They lived on manna, manna in the desert, which was God teaching them in that moment that yes, they need food to survive, but the food that they eat to survive is ultimately provided by God himself. Right? Can you, if you were in the desert, if you were one of those Israelites, and you're thinking, I'm going to die, and all of a sudden God gives you food and you eat it, it doesn't just satisfy your stomach. It satisfies your soul in some way, too. Because you're realizing that this is a gift from God. He gave this to me. And if you had a season where you're in the desert and God's giving you manna and keeping you alive, your faith, your soul starts to change in a way that could not change in another place because you're learning something that every step of the way you have to trust on God and he provides. You trust in God and he provides. You trust in God and he provides and he's feeding you one moment at a time as you walk through the desert. The thing that I see when I look at this text is not that just Jesus was a superstar and he understood something that we don't, what I see as I look at Deuteronomy 8 and Matthew chapter 4 is that God wants to teach you how to tap into the spiritual life and find provision from him. We can put this on the screen if you want to write it down. God wants to teach you, I think I put it up there, how to hunger for him. He wants to teach you. He says, the reason I fed you manna in the desert is to teach you this principle you need to understand, which is that I am the ultimate source of all nourishment. God wants to teach you these things. Now, the whole, whole series that we're going on starting today is to start to teach us how to learn this same lesson that the Israelites did. Now, the great news is we're not going to send you in the desert for 40 years. We're not going to send you into any desert or for 40 days. But God has given us in the scriptures, and especially here in Matthew chapter 4, a glimpse into spiritual practices that will teach us how to grow in our hunger for God. Now, there's four of them that we see in Matthew 4 that we're going to walk through in this series. Uh, we see the idea of fasting. Jesus is in the desert for 40 days being tempted by the devil without eating. We see the idea of solitude, that God sent him away from everything into the desert where there were no people. He was attended to by angels and there were wild animals everywhere. That was the whole experience. Solitude. We see Jesus listening for God's voice, the idea that man lives on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And then we see as we look at Jesus' life that there's a way to grow your hunger for God by partnering with God's work during your day. This is John chapter four, when he's with the women at the well. So over the next four weeks, we're gonna dive into these four concepts. We've got Pastor Larry next week gonna teach us about fasting. Then we've got Charles Homer on Camp Sunday coming teaching us about the power of solitude and departing from life for a while to grow in our hunger for God. Larry's gonna come back and teach us about how to listen for God's voice, how to be sustained and nourished in your soul by God's voice as you walk through your day. And then Lindsay's gonna come at the end and talk to us from John 4 about how we might find sustenance in partnering with the work of God throughout our day. All of this will be wrapped around this concept of us devoting ourselves for the next five weeks to to saying, you know what, God, I need to learn how to stop scrambling up all these ladders to try to find some meaning, some purpose, some contentment, because I know it doesn't work. And God, I need to find myself through the midst of all of these. I need to find your hidden cross and sit here and learn how to hunger for you instead. And one of the things we're going to do this morning is receive communion together. 
And actually, for the first time in a long time, we actually have real food for communion. You know, we used to have those like chiclets that I think were made of plastic or <laughs> chemicals. I don't know what. I'm super, super excited. We have real food for communion. It's still really small, but it's made out of real ingredients. Uh, I think communion is one of those things that, that Jesus has infused in us to teach us that we need to eat of him because life is found in Jesus himself. And so as we walk through this series, you're going to be equipped, but we also want you to start practicing these things. And so one thing that our staff is doing, we'd love to invite all of you to do over these next five weeks as we walk through the series, is to make fasting a regular part of your life. You know, I know some of us have fasted from social media, some of us have fasted from, I don't know what else you could fast from, a TV, right? You fast from screens, right? It's very rare that we fast from food, because fasting from food is terrifying, Right? There's something fit. We need it to survive. We emotionally feel like we need it to survive, right? Food is like our best friend a lot of times. And yet, so I said, you know, what we need to do is the Bible talks a lot about fasting for spiritual growth, fasting to see God's hand move. We're going to see that in our next series, Esther. Fasting for the purposes of God's kingdom taking over this world. Fasting as we long for Jesus to return. Pastor Larry will teach us about all this next week. But fasting is like the forgotten Christian discipline in the Western church. And I think it's primarily because we all tend to have an idolatrous relationship with food. And we just believe so deeply that if we don't eat a meal, we're going to die or die inside. I want to tell you, even if you decide I'm just going to fast for a meal, you're not going to die. Right? If, you, if you might die, talk to your doctor first. I don't think you're going to die. <laughs> One of the reasons that fasting is so powerful is it severs that connection that we have emotionally and physically thinking that something gives us sustenance other than God. And so every Monday throughout this series, we're going to ask you, anyone who's willing to participate in this, to abstain from food for a period of time to devote yourself to growing in your hunger for God. You know, maybe that's abstaining from breakfast tomorrow, right? You're probably thinking, oh, good, I don't even eat breakfast. That's easy. Okay, then it's abstaining from breakfast and lunch tomorrow. For some of you, it's eating dinner tonight, making that like your final meal. Eat a steak, right, and pray, you know, do your thing, and... And then tomorrow you like call in sick, you just lay in bed like, will I survive, right? <laughs> the goal for this first week, especially tomorrow, um, we'll put stuff out on social media to coach you in this, but for tomorrow, the goal in the fasting is just to survive and look back and say, I survived, right? So there's no pressure. You don't have to like pray all day tomorrow. You don't have to take a day off work. You don't have to go into solitude. You don't have to read the Bible instead of a meal. All you have to do is not eat and then see that you live to tell the tale. That's the only goal tomorrow, is to take your first baby step into fasting and realize that you can walk on that water as Jesus comes alongside you and helps you in that endeavor. So whatever that means for you, right? Some of you just wanna leave right now and hide and never come back to our church. No, there's no test on this. We're not gonna have raised hands, right? Jesus says when you fast, don't make a show of it, right? At the same time, this is not like a CIA covert op operation. If you have a lunch meeting tomorrow, you can say, I'm fasting today, I'm not gonna eat. That's not a sin, you can do that. It's about pride, it's not about being covert and sneaky. God's like, ooh, let's see how many people I can get to not eat and no one know about it. That's not how fasting works. Fasting is choosing to humbly abstain from food for a period of time for the purpose of spiritual vitality or some spiritual end. And for the purpose of this series, the reason that we're fasting together on Mondays is to ask God to grow in each of us and in us as a church corporately, grow a hunger for God. I listened to a podcast a few weeks back about the state of the union that we live in, just the 
the fact that our world is in a place that's different than it's ever been, that it seems like nobody cares about Christianity anymore, that people's morality is going out, that all the stuff that churches talk about all the time, and yet this podcast I was listening to was saying, I'm so excited that the world is in the place that it is, because they said, you know what it feels like to me? It feels like the tide has gone out, and we're just waiting for this spiritual revival to come back and take over this place. That's what it feels like to me. And I think whenever you look in the scriptures and you see, about, you see revival, you see God's work in a mighty way, you see God sweeping and changing culture, changing nations, changing individuals, and changing whole communities, it's an endeavor that the people partner with God through calling his name through a season of fasting. And so like I said, there's no huge agenda with this fast. We're really just learning how to grow in these practices, connect with God in this way. But tomorrow, when you're hungry, instead of grabbing for a Snickers, you're going to learn how to start grabbing for something that might actually satisfy you in a new way. So today, enjoy some food. You don't have to like stock up on food and eat 6,000 calories. That's not how it works. Eat normal today. Don't be scared. If you want some help in this, you can come to our prayer room after the service. I'd love to pray for you and send you on your way or come talk to us. Uh, jump in on social media and kind of comment whatever you want to do. But uh, we're excited, uh, terrified and excited to partner with God in this way and, and see what he does as we start kind of putting some steps into what it means to grow in our hunger from him and know that man does not, we truly don't live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Let me pray for us, and then we will eat some bread that is not bread alone, but is a beautiful symbol of Christ's body for us on the cross. Let's pray.